0: The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Tuesday! That's what day it is, he tells himself because he probably didn't know had he not checked. Just before starting the podcast, it's Tuesday, July the 13th, and welcome to the show. This is Fantasy NBA Today, a HoopBall presentation. I'm your host, Dan Vesperus, and we are diving into the Southwest Division today, the first of our five shows, profiling the third and final division in the Western Conference, and then we'll, of course, take our talents to South Beach. We'll start on the Eastern Conference and work our way through that, and that good sirs and madams, will take us to free agency. Think about it. Today, July the 13th, we're starting the last five teams in the Western Conference. That'll get us through Monday of next week. The 26th would finish up the first week of the Eastern Conference, or the first uh, division. The 2nd of August would take us to through the second one, and then we'll probably have to pause some of our team-by-team breakdowns for free agency. I actually ran a couple days late on this. Maybe I'll jam two teams into one day in there, because once you get into that first week of August, uh, we're we're probably going to want to focus on free agent stuff, because that's a really big deal. Next year, it'll all rotate back to when it's supposed to happen, but, I mean, that's coming up. When is free agency? I think it starts on the 2nd, and is there a moratorium this year? Mm, maybe the moratorium is from the second through the sixth is that right well in any event we're close to it and that's when things really start to heat up so sit back relax enjoy the ball game here we roll Uh, You can follow me on Twitter at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. Hoopball is at Hoopball Fantasy or at Hoopball Tweets. Big shout out once again to all of our cool new stuff. Hopefully you guys have been checking out these podcasts I've been trying to point you towards over the last few weeks. Don't worry, there's still more in the hopper. We don't take a break, not even for a moment over here. New episode dropped from our buddies over at Punt Intended, the Dynasty show. The new episode over there is uh, Just Right is the name of the episode. Ranks that were right on the money. And I got to say, like I am, I am positively floored at how fast that show is taking off. Not because it's not a great show, but just because it's the offseason. This is not when things are supposed to rocket boost into this stratosphere, but here they are. So check that out if you're into Dynasty stuff. And the cool thing about that is in the offseason, Dynasty shows, they take what we are talking about on this podcast, we go through each team, and they look at it from a what just happened and then what is it going to mean for like five, ten years kind of thing. I only have to look at next year. Which I far prefer. It's a little bit... Look, it's a smaller lift. It's a smaller lift. I'm okay with that. (laughs) I'm okay with that. I'm willing to admit that my lift is smaller. But uh, let's just dive on into the Grizzlies and see where that takes us. I want to do Memphis first because they were an exceptionally frustrating fantasy team this year. And I'm wondering how people are reacting to that. I'm actually not certain where... I'm not certain where guys get drafted next season, but we're going to work through it together here on this podcast and make some educated guesses on what the whole thing means. First and foremost, the Grizzlies were impacted by COVID in a pretty big way, not necessarily because they had massive outbreaks on their own team, but for whatever reason, Memphis was on the receiving end of a bunch of missed ball games. So the Grizzlies were always way behind everybody else in games played this year. And it actually, you know, it worked out okay, but it could have been a complete disaster. They had so many games down the stretch. That was wonderful if you were in a head to head league that played to the final day. But if you were in a head-to-head league that didn't, you got boned by this team. And if you were in a roto league, you knew those guys were going to take a game off here and there. They were playing for a lot down the stretch, but even then, because they had four games in five days, and it was basically just game after game. I think they wanted did they go two on? They had the only one of the only traditional two on miss day two on again. The traditional four and five. We saw some fives and sevens with teams blue and doing makeup games, and it was like two day off, game, day off, another two. Grizzlies had the rare four and six, or four and five, four and five nights. As a result, there weren't that many Grizzlies that made it into the high 60s in games played. Even the most durable among them, Kyle Anderson, who paced the team, no, excuse me, Tyus Jones paced the team, but he only played 17 and a half minutes a game this year. So among the guys who actually played reasonable minutes, and Jones played, but, like, he only got starters minutes when John Morant was on the shelf, and that was only for nine games anyway. Among the guys that actually played rotation minutes on a nightly basis, meaning, for me, that's, like, 24 or higher, Slowmo played 69 games, which was very good in this weird season. That's actually a, a fantastic number. Dylan Brooks, 67, and uh, then everybody else was, like, high 50s to low 60s, which is not crazy, That's just kind of where the league was. So there were only a couple of guys on the Grizzlies that got a totals bump, slow-mo, and Dylan Brooks. And Desmond Bain did too, but who cares because that didn't actually get him onto the radar, even with the fact that he played 68 ballgames this last year. Let's start with what I think is, or a player that I think is, it's not even an I think, it's an I know is one of my favorite draft picks year after year after year, and that's Jonas Valanciunas. And I, I exaggerate a little bit because it's, it's more fun that way, but basically since he arrived in Memphis, he's been dominant. He was a guy that had terrific per-36s in Toronto, but never played more than about 21 minutes of ball ballgame. Year after year, we were like, oh, this is the year JV plays 25, 27, 28 minutes, and year after year, it wasn't that year. In Memphis it was, and even though we heard all offseason about how Brandon Clark, Xavier Tillman, and JJJ, and these guys were all bulking up or getting taller or whatever the hell the stories were, that they were going to log a bunch of center minutes. Simple fact is, none of those guys can rebound anywhere close to what JV can do on that one particular facet of the basketball game. Let's Let's not even get into the fact that, JV is also their best player around the rim. Just from the rebounding standpoint, when he's off the floor, the Grizzlies get annihilated on the glass, just completely blown apart. So as much as maybe they'd like to dial him down a little bit, keep him fresher or play younger guys or whatever the hell it was, this is a Grizzlies team that made the playoffs and had no reason to go into heavy youth development even though basically their whole team is youth development, when they had a guy in JV that was doing such a heavy part of keeping them in basketball games and making sure that things didn't come apart at the seams. Jonas Valanciunas finished at number 31 on a per-game basis, and, and this is maybe my favorite part of the JV stuff, he was in the 90 range at the All-Star break. You guys probably know what that means for him post-break. He was a top 20 fantasy player down the stretch on averages about 18 and 12 went 63 percent from the field and he finally got his block number back up and over one that was the thing that was actually kind of holding him back in the first half of the season if you didn't if you didn't remember how the season was busted into those two pieces for jv you'd look at this final number from this year 62 out of 72 games played He actually logged about a minute and a half more this season than last year field goal percent went up free throw percent went up scoring went up down from that uh, half season he had in memphis two years ago blocks were actually down on the year compared to his career mark not by a ton but by a little bit Steals were a little bit up over his career mark, so those things would probably balance out. And he set a career high in rebounds this year at 12.5. What does that mean for next year? Well, a healthy JJJ does actually mean that a few of those center minutes get squeezed a tiny bit. The thing is, they're just better with JV at center. Xavier Tillman is probably, and Brandon Clark, are probably the guys who actually suffer more at the hands of JJJ being healthy than Jonas Valanciunas, who I don't know that we can necessarily just assume he plays 28 minutes again, because that was a bit on the high side. But like, if you look at the last, I don't know, when the, when do we even go with this stuff? Because uh, JJJ only played the last handful of games. But if you go to the very end, so basically like the Grizzlies last 10 games of the year, and you can probably include playoffs in this because they were JJJ was getting healthier as we went along and that's actually probably playoff rotations i mean John Morant playing 41 minutes a game aside that's actually probably a bit closer not necessarily the exact numbers distribution but just the who's the lead horse or who are the lead horses on this team and if you if you look at those 10 games playoffs included JJJ still only played 26 minutes a game, so that number's still on the rise. JV played 33 minutes a game because those were ultra-important basketball games. Slow-mo, 30. Dylan Brooks, 36. Ja, 41. Brandon Clark, 11. He was, he was dinged up in there. DeAnthony Melton, 10. Desmond Bain, 23. And so on, Grayson Allen 21, and so on and so forth. Now, if you go through and you don't include the playoff games, meaning just like, let's just call it the last month of the year. So April 16th through May 16th, you get a, a non playoff cross section. JV was a first rounder over those 15 games. Uh, I think they played 18 over that stretch. He missed a couple. 17 and 12. Remember, he had a COVID protocol thing uh, with one and a half blocks, 66% shooting, 80% at the free throw line. Slow-mo was top 65. JJJ was top 65 in 24 minutes a game. And nobody else was inside the top 100. So admittedly, it's a bit of a small sample size, but I think it's important to look at that last month because that's when the Grizzlies were as close to healthy this year as they were at any point. Let's just stick with JV for a moment here, try to wrap up our thoughts on that one player, and then we'll work our way down the board. Is JV going to be a first-rounder for an entire season? No, that's not going to happen. He played 29 minutes a game over that stretch, which was great, but everything was above his career mark. The free throw was up. The field goal percent was up. The blocks were up. Everything, the turnovers were down. That's actually a weird thing that was kind of putting a damper on his season for a stretch. Turnovers, didn't see that coming. I did not see that coming. However, the 30 something that we got over the entire season is a very reasonable target again for JV. I'll say this, I'd be very surprised if Valanchunas was drafted where he finished. I know that seems like kind of a dumb thing to say and like if you're if you're playing fantasy basketball, your assumption would be that Guys will get drafted close to where they finished up. JV at 31. Wouldn't you think he'd go then in the middle of the third round? I don't know that that's true. I think he probably goes in the fourth round this coming year. Again, fear of trade, fear of whatever, I don't know. But you don't have a whole lot to worry about. He's making $14 million. He's critical to what they've done. I don't think that they move him if they are as competitive again next year as they were this season. Next name on the list was Kyle Anderson. Slow-mo, set to make $10 million this coming year. By the way, the entire Grizzlies team is on contract for this coming year. The only question mark is Justice Winslow, who has a $13 million team option that I'm guessing the Grizzlies probably do pick up. They haven't really seen much of him, but he's only 25, and and when he's out there and he's playing well, he kind of looks like a fullback. But who knows? Who knows? Uh they had some non-guaranteed contracts guys like Gorgi Jang uh were on and I think they I think they cut him at one point. So I don't know if that ended up getting paid or whatever, but Grizzlies actually do have some salary cap space regardless slow-mo for next year. Um I'm a little bit more concerned about him precisely because of the stuff we were talking about. As JJJ's minutes go up, if you're also looking at a healthy Justice Winslow, there starts to be a little bit of a squeeze. And that's the story for the Grizzlies at every other position on the floor besides the one and the five. Maybe we should just go down to John ja Morant. All right, we'll loop back around to every other name on the damn Grizzlies board. John ja Morant averaged 35 minutes a game over that last month. Uh, 20 points, five boards, seven and a half assists, a steal, and somehow, despite all of that good stuff, he was outside the top 170 in that stretch and he will get wildly overdrafted again. You could not pay me enough to take a shot on John Morant, turning the proverbial corner because it's just something that he's not really close on yet. Here's my issue with John Morant as a fantasy player. And you guys picked on me for this coming into this season, but I got the last laugh on this one. I didn't think he was going to be this bad. I can't, I can't take credit for that, but He got off to that very fast start. There was a lot of folks that were uh, carving up a crow for me to eat. Then he got hurt, came back, and we could blame it on the injury, maybe. But at the same time, there were things that we've seen now for two seasons from him that don't feel like they're about to evaporate. He was incredible in the Grizzlies' short playoff run, uh, in their win over... San Antonio, he was actually somewhat human, but then he was incredible against Golden State. He was very good against Utah, had a 47 point game uh, in a loss 28, 23, 27, double digit assists in a couple of those ball games. Like he was really a wonder. But here's the problem He's not going to be taking 23 shots a game during the regular season. He's just, it's too many games to have that level of use. He's not going to play 40 and a half minutes a game during the regular season. It's too much. It's too much. So he will glide back down, and maybe he gets a few more shots this coming year. I don't know. He only took 15.2 this season. You could see him getting to 17, right? I could. But I don't think that one steal a game is about to explode into the sky. I don't think the four rebounds are going to change all that much. He was a five in the playoffs, but that's because he played an extra 20% of a ball game. The assists were up in the playoffs because he played an extra 20% of a ball game. That stuff all goes hand in hand. This dude is this mid-70s percent free throw shooter. He's a somewhat like high middle 40s field goal percent guy who took more three-pointers in the postseason but didn't shoot them all that well. He just took a lot of them. So I don't know that we even want him attempting more three-pointers. The way that John ja Morant clears the hurdle is, well, there's two ways, I guess. Number one, he plays 40 minutes a game like he did in the postseason, and that's not happening. The other one is, if he's going to take six to eight free throws a game, that has to not be a net negative for your fantasy team. Four turnovers a game is also a really big number when your assist-to-turnover ratio is two. The 7.5 assists are nice, but you want more than a 2-to-1 ratio there. What did he really help with this season? Assists and scoring. And that was it. It's weird to look at all those numbers and realize that he was actually a negative in turnovers, free throw percent, field goal percent, blocks, three-pointers from a guard position, although generally about league average overall and about average in steals and rebounds when you compare that to the League Two. Slightly sub-average in steals. That's a weird thing to wrap your head around because it seemed like he was doing these incredible things, and he explodes the way that very few guys do, but those explosions are like two a season, and then the rest of the time there are these massive holes in his fantasy game. Do I think he's going to get better next year? I do. I do think he's going to get better. He's still exceptionally young, and you can pretty safely build in an upward trajectory in whatever manner you you choose. But this is probably a guy who's going to get drafted in the 50s or 60s at the lowest, and that's a giant leap from 170 to 50. That's a Brandon Ingram-like, you're going to have to fix multiple percentages and defensive stats and maybe even turnovers all in one offseason? I don't know, man. That's asking an awful lot. From one guy's fantasy game. But what about the rest? And yes, I am very affectionately referring to them as the rest, because well, that's that's not fair. Let's let's postpone the rest for just one more minute, one more player, while I tell you about our buddies over at mybookie.ag. I already mentioned that Manscaped is taking a two-month break. They'll be back with us most likely in September, so don't deal with your grooming needs. Uh, In the summertime, or if you're going to, just do it some other way and then get your Manscaped stuff once we get our coupon code back. In the meantime, open up a betting account at mybookie.ag. Why not bet on the All-Star Game tonight? Baseball All-Star Game's going on. The Midsummer Classic in just a few hours. NBA with a Finals game back tomorrow. We'll do more handicapping on that on tomorrow's episode of the show. And if you're going to do so, I have cash for you to wager. I have actual, and it's not like deposit some i'll give you more it's i'll give you some to start and if you win a bunch great you don't even have to put in a cent on your own even if you lose a bunch you could just be done after my cash runs out i got hoop ball cash for anybody that wants to start a a uh, my bookie account but you gotta let me know quick shoot me a note on twitter at dan Baspers that just says i want to gamble or something else that's funny i'll get you back i promise i'm pretty quick about this stuff We'll set up an account together, and we'll get you started with some with some hoop ball cash to play with. No strings attached, folks. None. Before we get to the others, we do kind of need to talk about JJJ, because he's not an other. And it's almost unfair for me to classify mo as an other or Dylan Brooks, because they'll probably have a decent-sized role, but they're going to get lumped in with that discussion. JJJ is obviously not an other. He is their guy. He is the one they are. He and and Ja are the guys that they're building around. They just need to figure out a way to get JJJ healthy. And I want to personally, I want to see fantasy game growth out of him. Last year, he averaged about twenty nine minutes a game in fifty seven ball games, seventeen and a half points, four and a half rebounds. That's terrible for a power forward in twenty eight and a half minutes a game. steals, 1.6 blocks. That's pretty good. The 1.6 blocks is nice. The 0.7 steals is fine for a power forward. Two and a half, three-pointers on on 39% shooting from downtown was pretty good. Uh, He was at 75% free throw shooting last year. This season, he only played 11 regular season games. He played uh, five more postseason games or whatever you want to call the play-in stuff. Classify that however you like. And his shooting percentage was down. Perhaps that was just rust, but he was at 20, uh, 42.5%. He took about five and a half three three-pointers a game, uh, which was pretty much on pace for what he was doing in uh, a higher workload. Rebounds were up a little bit this year. That's a positive sign. Scoring uh, was down. Blocks were actually up on a per-minute basis, and steals were also up on a per-minute basis. But again, it's only 11 games, so... Some of that, our, our confidence interval for where those things were actually going to end up over an entire year is a bit wider <laughs> than had he played in uh, 50 or 60 ballgames this season. All that to say, this is a guy who fantasy analysts, including myself, would tell you the sky is the limit. He is uh, Christops Porzingis, but more stout. Um... Pretty similar, actually, fantasy games. I would say KP probably a better rebounder than JJJ. I don't know where, if any place, JJJ has the the advantage over KP right now, other than perhaps being not seen in as negative a light. Porzingis having that that brutal playoff series I think everybody thinks he stinks now. But there, I mean, JJJ is kind of, to some degree from a fantasy standpoint, sort of a poor man's Kristaps Porzingis. He's not going to score quite as much He'll block a little bit less, he'll shoot a little bit less, he'll rebound a little bit less. I don't know that that's about to change in any dramatic fashion for all of the reasons that we're going to talk about on when we get into the others group on this team, which is basically there are just too many damn players and not any one of them is going to get to take enough shots to be a monster in that department. John Morant has the best chance to usage his way into fantasy value. But over the last month of the year, Dylan Brooks actually attempted more shots per game than Ja did. I'd call that unacceptable, except from an efficiency standpoint, he was about the same. Dylan Brooks takes a lot of heat on social media for taking ill-advised shots, and he does take them. But John Morant doesn't, and he was basically the same level of inefficient that Brooks was the last month of the two months of the season. They were almost ind- indistinguishable from one another. Brooks shot 45 percent from the field. Morant 45 and a half. Brooks was about 10 percent better at the free throw line. I know that he wasn't the orchestrator the way that Jaw was, but they they deserve equal credit or blame for the uh, decision making and shot selection stuff. Where exactly are these like? 15 shots coming for JJJ next year. I don't see it. That's not to say he won't have fantasy value because he's tailor-made for it. Being a guy who hits threes, blocks shots, can make his free throws, doesn't turn the ball over, he's he's built for fantasy purposes and he'll play more than 23 and a half minutes a game next year, so top 65 really is kind of the floor for jjj and in a full season of playing 27 28 minutes a game you're probably looking more at a guy who's going to be in the 17.6 rebound two block territory which does make him someone you can probably look at in that top 45 range what i don't know about jjj is where he's going Because he rubbed a lot of fantasy players the wrong way this year by missing the entire season when he claimed he was going to be back relatively early in the year. He was very much not squeezed in a handful of games at the very end, but should have, probably was, long since dropped by anybody that drafted him. Don't draft injured players, Dan repeats for the nine billionth time on the podcast. Don't draft injured players. But Jaws not, or excuse me, Jaron is not injured going into next season. Will he be a post-hype type guy? Will he fall outside the top 50 in fantasy drafts? Or will people know that he's healthy and just immediately plop him right back into that I'm gonna draft him at 40 slot that he probably would have been going at this year had he come into the season healthy? I don't know. I really don't know. I think there are enough analysts out there, our buddy Jonas would be a number one on that list, that are going to be pumping him to where it feels like it would be tough to see JJJ fall all that far in drafts, but I've got him on the penciled list, my list that's sort of off to the side here of guys that maybe we get lucky and people are really pissed off about what he didn't do this season and they just let him go. Maybe he's a never-again guy for some people. And if that's the case, that's going to bring his ADP down. And if that's the case, this is sort of an if-P-then-Q type of thing because we don't actually know if-P. We don't know if-P is true in this case. Took a math logic class one time in college, and now you guys are stuck with it. Then Q in this case is we might be able to get him at a discount. I would take JJJ. I would race to take JJJ, starting at about 50. Would I consider him before that? I probably, yeah, I would consider him, but there's almost definitely going to be guys I'd rather have at 40-45. Once you get to 50, you start to tap into him potentially walloping his ADP. If he has a good year and ends up as like a top 30 per game guy and he's durable, like there is a possibility for a second-round type of finish. If he lasts through the season gets an extra shot that I didn't see coming, and averages like 18 and and 6.5 with two blocks a game, that's probably around top 30. Provided the field goal percent is not stuck at 42 and comes back up to that 45-46 range, so it's not quite a massive negative. And now we get into the others, and this part of the discussion is not going to be as long because you're probably, frankly, only taking a plunge on one of these guys in drafts next year, and that guy is slow-mo. We all, every analyst I mean, every fantasy analyst on the planet, got Brandon Clark wrong this season. We all missed. We all missed. Some of us were more excited than others. I was medium excited. That's a miss. It's a miss. There's no way around it. He was outside the top 110. He missed 11 ball games. He was seemingly getting worse as the season went on. He couldn't. He was in and out of the lineup. He was in and out of the doghouse. JJJ's return was bad for him. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not messing with it next year, Brandon Clark. He averaged about 23 minutes a game over the entire season, but down the stretch, that number dropped to 20. There's no reason for me to believe it goes back up with JJJ actually healthy next year, and possibly with Justice Winslow healthy too. We don't know, maybe. What about Justice Winslow? No, game is not a fantasy game. Desmond Bain, nope. No fantasy game there. Dylan Brooks, points leagues, sure. Because he's chucking. He's just chucking away. And a lot of the stuff we've talked about here, like John Moran, he's going to be much more valuable in points leagues because his percentages stink. Dylan Brooks, better in points leagues because his percentages are not very good. slow is actually kind of on the other end of that spectrum, and it's why he's the guy you'd consider in your category league draft – uh, I do have one other name I want to mention after Kyle Anderson, and you know who it's going to be, so don't don't click the podcast off until we get to the very end here. slow mo proved himself to be an important cog for a young team learning how to win and growing together. He soaked up a lot of minutes. He got himself uh, a, a nice chunk of steals on the year, 1.3. He was just under a block a game, 12.6 boards, 3.5 assists, 46% from the field, meh, 79. The free throw line also meh. Like, pretty close to league average in those things, and he kept his turnovers down, too, which was also pretty nice. So he's a guy, and he finished at top, at number 61. No, excuse me, that's including their playoff games. Let me make sure I get this number right on the money. It's pretty close to that, though. It's 67 on a per-game basis. Played in 69 out of their 72 games, so did get a big-time totals bump that took him into the third round by totals. There's no way he's getting drafted inside the top 80, next year. It just won't be because it's too boring. So when it comes to you at like pick ninety-five, yeah, why the hell not? The other guys out there that you could grab at that point are I would say don't have the upside. And we saw, by the way, in the playoffs, they played JJJ and Slow-Mo together. So that wasn't a situation where Jackson was soaking up or taking away the minutes from Kyle Anderson. Maybe a one or two here and there. But overall, he was actually still doing enough to be rostered in Fantasy Leagues. I'd rather take him after the top 100 because there's usually higher upside guys you can uh, take a stab at. But again, like this season, he was a third rounder. So even if there's a drop-off, even if he's not number 67 on a per-game basis, even if he's more like 85 to 100 range, if he goes 85 to 100 and stays healthy all year, he'd be a great, hate head-to-head grab in the 100 range. Because if you're 85 to 100 range and you play in all but like 5% of your team's games, you're probably going to be a top 50, top 60 guy by totals. So Kyle Anderson, for sure, put him on the, he'll be on the old man squad list, I think, for the after 100 crowd. And then finally, I had to talk about one other player, and that's DeAnthony Melton, who all season long, we just kept wishing and wanting and hoping, and it just didn't happen. And I have no reason to think that that's about to change. They gave him money. That's usually the sign they're going to play a guy. He logged 20 minutes a game this season and had fantasy value of around uh, 135. He's a guy who can get it done in 20 minutes, but it's just not going to be enough. There needs to be more. He's got to get up to 24 minutes a game. If he does, he's a winner, but I just don't see it happening. I don't know that you need to use a draft pick on him. I'm totally fine if you want to at like pick 135 to 150 range and just say, look, what if, what if Grayson Allen gets hurt? What if Desmond Bain, what if one of these guys gets traded in the off season that we don't know about yet? There's right now there's too many damn guys in the way. There's Brooks, there's Allen, there's Bain. There's the guys that are actually starting. There's John Conchar. <laughs> justice winslow if he surfaces but if somebody gets out of the way or if melton somehow plays his way out of the doghouse doesn't get hurt whatever it happens to be we know there's enough upside there to just take a shot at the end of your fantasy draft but not earlier than that because the grizzlies just aren't going to give all of those guys enough minutes well, the, well, I guess what they are doing is they are giving all of those guys enough minutes to be a little bit dangerous, but not nearly enough. What we need is the, is addition by subtraction. It was with the case with Miami a couple of years ago before they got Jimmy Butler. They had like 15 shooting guards on that team, and they all got to play. Grizzlies are doing the same damn thing, and there's nothing we can do about it because every damn one of these dudes is signed again next year. And I say to you, oh, well. To recap, Jonas Valanciunas probably will somehow go underdrafted again because that's the kind of player he is. He is not exciting enough for fantasy enthusiasts. JJJ, I don't have a clue where he's getting drafted, but I have weird fleeting, I'm sure, hope that he will be underdrafted. I doubt it, but there's some hope. It's not like a normal year where there was zero chance he gets underdrafted. There's actually a small... 20-ish, probably, percent chance that he gets drafted too late because of how bad he was for teams this year. Uh, John Morant, he'll get better, but will it be good enough? I say no from a 9-cat perspective. 8-cat, maybe. Points leagues, yes. He was already useful in points leagues anyway. Kyle Anderson, uh, take him after 100, and then just leave everybody else alone if you're in a category league situation. Tomorrow, the finals are back. We'll get to break that down on the podcast. We'll also take aim at team number two in the Southwest Division. And at some point, we'll get into a team that's just such an easy and short chat that we'll do two on the same day so we don't run into free agency because you guys heard me do it right on air. I figured out we were closer than I thought. I am Dan Vespers. This was Fantasy NBA Today. Have a great Tuesday. Back at you tomorrow, probably the early afternoon because, you know, who cares right now? <laughs> so long everybody. This has been a hoop ball presentation.